You can be seated. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Awesome job, guys. Thank you. Um, Jesse, come on up. Show your word of encouragement. So, um, as we're worshiping this morning, I, uh, man, I felt like something so impressed upon my heart. Um, some of you guys may know, um, good friend of the house, Angel Davis, is teaching this morning. No, you're good. You're good. Um, yeah, it's probably even better. So, I just really encourage you guys to, like, call your spirit to attention, like, right now. Like, some of you don't even know it, but you're going to get set free. I was so, like... This testimony that's coming forth and this truth from the Lord has been born by Holy Ghost, you know. When we talk about things and when we share things and when we teach things from any platform, whether you're in ministry or in business or just in the classroom, when you're sharing testimony that's been born of a work of God in your life, there is a power. There is a grace on that thing, okay? So I just really encourage you as my friends, like, you're going to get set free Or you're going to take keys to set others free. I really have believed all semester this is such a powerful word coming to our body. So like turn off your apps or whatever else is going on. Like if it was fantasy football season, I would just have a bad roster. Okay. Like turn it off and zone in because I really feel like the Lord has like a deliverance for us this morning. Amen. Chuck, you want to come on up and share your word? Um, intermittently, I do hear from God and get words, but I rarely share them. Uh, but this, I just got a prophetic word today, and he kept telling me to say something. I kept saying no, but I can't say anymore. But, uh, Gray, uh, I, I don't know you, but um, while we were worshiping, I just felt a sense of power and love coming out of that corner and saw you with your hands out, and God told me that... Um, he loved you and that he'd been pursuing you and that he loved how you were open to him and that his presence was with you. And that's what I was feeling coming from there was his presence. And uh, I just thank you for sharing his presence with us today. Amen. Amen. And uh, that's a good word, man. Um, yeah, so we're, we're honored to have Angel with us. And uh, a couple of weeks ago, the Lord... I was just spending some time with the Lord, and I heard him say, break the dam. Because dam was spelled D-A-M-N. He says, I'm about to break the dam. And I saw, because Romans 8.1 says, there's therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And uh, I saw just a, you know, like a log jam in a river. And that condemnation, uh, what shame, what Part of what Angel's going to share on this morning is a huge blocker of the grace of God, the, of experiencing the Lord and all his goodness and mercy towards you. It's, a, it's like a log jam in the river of God. But the Lord busts those things open. It's not like God is like, oh, man, somebody made a log jam. I can't get through it. No, he's just like right there because he's for us. He's a good father. And so I just, I just want to pray. Angel, come on up. Angel, if you, if, you didn't, if you weren't here, the first when Jessica first introduced her, uh, this is who Jessica and I lean on when we need healing in our hearts, and she has been so amazing. We've had so much breakthrough through her, and she just helps so many people 
in the city, but she's a anointed teacher of the word and, and just has a lot of wisdom from the journey that she's been on with the Lord. And uh, so we're just so honored to have Angel here with us. So let's just receive her with a round of applause. And uh, I'm going to pray for her. Father, I just thank you for Angel. Father, thank you that she's in Athens, Georgia, and such a, such a blessing to the body of Christ and to the city. And Lord, we just declare that you're breaking the dam this morning. You're breaking off shame. You're breaking off condemnation. You're breaking off the fear of punishment. And so, Father, we ask for that you just release your love, a revelation and encounter of your love this morning through Angel, and let the word of the Lord come forth through her mouth. We bless you for it. Amen. Travis and Jessica asked me, I'm like, wow, wow, that I have the privilege, because you guys are so blessed to be sit under these two, so honest, so authentic, uh, yeah, that'd be great, such a, uh, a mix of living in the supernatural in a natural way, you guys are so gifted in that, so I am excited to be here, last night, I was at the Reinhardt Bonnke Crusade. Anybody know who Reinhardt is? Woo woo! Well, he is a German evangelist, but who is now an American citizen. For 40 years, he was been in Africa because his call was all of Africa will be saved. To date, 75 million disciples. They don't convert; they disciple. So when they come, when they Except Christ, they make sure that they're um, plugged into a local church. So he has now got the call a couple years ago that America will be saved. Yeah, and it's exciting. So he's going on tonight. If you guys have nothing to do, come to Phillips Arena. It's free, except for you got to pay for parking. Oh, oh, yay! Good. So it, and I say that because it's. God is not random, so I'm here from there to here to back to there for purpose and reason, um, and so I'm trusting the Lord to uh, speak that out as we, as we, link, as we just focus on Him. Um, I want to start with the Word, and He needs us, meaning. He doesn't have to use us, but he set up the commodity such that you and I get to partner with him. I mean, it just is like when you think about it, it's so amazing. And what I'll say personally is in my professional life about six or seven years ago, or maybe longer, I don't remember, but I just got this stirring in me, stirring that there's something more, something more. So just pressed and pressed and pressed in. But one of the things he spoke to me is that his leaders need to be healed and whole. And you guys are all leaders in his kingdom. And he is rising up an army. He is rising up an army, and we get to be part of that army. And if we don't do the internal work that he is calling us to do, such a time as this right now, in this time, then we can't, we'll be hindered. We can be used, but we will be hindered. And we want to be as free as we can be so he can use us because the world's only going to get darker, but he's going to get lighter. Yeah. All right? He is saving America and the nations. 
and we get to be part of it. Get excited about that, yeah. So today, he's going to do something in us as we look at his word and we um, talk about this stuff. So I was so grateful it's Travis and Jessica, because I don't know where I'm going to go on this, and they're okay with that, so praise <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> but I'm going to open the word if you have um, or on your phone, starting at Genesis 2, 25. And you guys know, you know this story of creation. In the beginning, there he was, and he brought it all, and it was good. Then he made man, woman and man, in his image, and it was very good. Verse 25, the man and his wife were both naked, and they felt no shame. In the beginning, there was no shame. No shame. That's what we were created, to live free with no shame. Not hiding, not having to cover ourselves, but no shame. So that's God's intent for us. And we say, bring heaven here on earth. So we're going to go after as much of that heaven for ourselves. Because when we do it for ourselves, we get to release it to other people. And we're going to talk about that. Yes, so let me pray. Jesus, I do. I thank you so much that um, you are who you are. And you've done what you've done for us. Lord, I thank you for such a time as this that you're waking up the body of Christ to all that you've done on Calvary and by your precious blood that was shed and your resurrection. It is resurrection power that breaks the chains. And our army is rising up, Lord. And we get to be part of that. So, Lord, today, right now, you're a today God. In an instant, you're going to do the impossible in us. You're going to break chains that have long been needed to break. You're going to bring more freedom. You're going to take us deeper into your love, into your grace. So we just, I just thank you, Holy Spirit. Without you, we can do nothing. But with you, we have everything. So thank you. How are you going to renew minds? Thank you. Of how you're going to heal hearts today. Thank you of how you're going to open our hearts to receive more of your love, to be overwhelmed like a flood with your love, Lord Jesus. We love you. We praise you. We honor you. We lift you high in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, so let me go on in the Word. We're going to go to uh, chapter 3. So there, in the beginning, there was no shame, but... <laughs> But now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say you must eat, you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden. But God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden and you must not touch it or you will die. You will not surely die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw the fruit of the tree 
saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, Where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. And he said, Who told you you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? The man said, The woman you put here with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree, and I ate it. Then the Lord God said to the woman, What is this you have done? The woman said, The serpent deceived me, and I ate it. Amen. So, in the beginning, there was no shame. But yet, shame entered in from the fall. And we've been dealing with it ever since. And I want to just unpack those scriptures um, again I'm, and, and kind of look at it as we look at the psychology behind the, um, the word and what happened in the story, because it's all of our stories. So in the beginning, there was no shame. And I'm trying to find my notes here. Here we go. So the serpent, who was more crafty than any of the wild animals. So the Adam and Eve were just innocently doing life with God, right? They were more focused on him and his creation than they were themselves. And so they're just living free. They're just having a, a grand time with God. It was the Garden of Eden. It was perfect. It was perfect. And they were so perfect, meaning through God in themselves, that they didn't even think about themselves. They were just focused um, outwardly and on God. And their needs did get met, and so I'm sure they did have some self-focus, but it wasn't where their main focus lies. So then the crafty um, serpent comes in and says, did God really say you must not eat from the, any of the tree of the garden? So what entered in? Doubt entered in. He interjected doubt. Can you really trust God? Are you sure you can trust him? And so doubt came in. And I always say it's kind of like a like um, he throws the Satan throws the ball at you and he tries to get you to play with him. And we do that because oftentimes we don't know it's him and we think it's ourselves, right? You know, oh, I'm doubting something's wrong with me, you know, all those thoughts and, and feelings. So we play ball with Satan. So let's keep going. The woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say, you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden. So she begins to have a dialogue with Satan. She begins to say, huh, maybe let me think about what he really said. And she begins to dialogue with the enemy and get in relationship of some sort with the enemy. So it keeps going. You will certainly not die, the serpent said. So again, he's counteracting God's word. For God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God. How tempting is that, that we can be like God? 
And aren't we supposed to be like God? I mean, you know, it gets really confusing. Knowing good and evil. So she, he continues that seed of doubt, and she continues to ponder that, and he's speaking with authority to her, right? I know, I know what's going on. So there begins the challenge, who are you going to believe? Who are you going to believe? Who are you going to let be your authority? Began in the Garden of Eden, and we still wrestle with it. So it goes on, you guys know the story, but when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food, pleasing to the eye, and also desirable for gaining wisdom. So again, all of a sudden she's seeing things because he's tempting her. So evil in disguise, right? It looks good, sounds good, smells good, but who's the authority behind it? And what's your motivation behind it? So she also gave some to her husband. So when we get sucked in, then we often lead others into that trap. And it's a trap. It's a trap. So she began to focus more on what Satan wanted her to focus on. And again, it can look good. And she believed what he said over God and shared that with somebody that she loved. So then we all, again, we know the story. Their eyes got open and they saw their nakedness, meaning they saw their sin, and the sin brought shame. So what did they do? Oh my gosh, what, God, what is God going to say? We're in trouble. So they felt fear, they covered up, and then they lied. <laughs> they flat out lied to God, just flat out. But it's, it's what we do all the time. So out of fear... The shame came, the fear came, the control came. They tried to cover up with fig leaves. And then God starts asking them questions. Why does God ask questions? Not because he doesn't know. He already knows everything. He asks questions because he's doing it like Satan did. And he's getting them to think. Wait a minute. Think about this. Where are you? And he also, of course, wanted to know that I see you, I know you, I'm pursuing you. His love. So he's right there ready for the rescue plan, right? So he says, where are you? God saw, he knew, he cared, he pursued. And uh, Adam answers honestly. He didn't hide. Good for Adam. Uh, He said, you know, this is what was going on. This is how I felt. So he shared his feelings with, with God. And then God kept going. Well, Who told you you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? So, again, God confronting his thinking pattern. The man said, the woman made me do it. (laughs) Okay? So here enters in our human coping skills, our human defense mechanisms. So he defended, rationalized, blamed, and projected what that means is he projected onto Eve what his own problem was. We tend to do that a lot. So we project onto other people. Very common coping skills started in the garden, and we still deal with them. Then the Lord God said to, woman, to the woman, so he's given Eve a chance now, what is it that you have done? She chose the same thing, to blame and project and defend herself. So the cycle continues today. Now, 
is this is the biblical origin of shame, and we know that the Bible is true, right? Well, let's look at the psychological origin, what they say in psychology. And what I love about what I do now, combining the psychological with the, well, biblical with the psychological, is you see where all the truths of psychology that work come from, and they're straight from the Bible. And again, Travis and Jessica are so good at sharing that with you guys. But um, there's basically a nature versus nurture um, I, uh, mindset with psychology. Were you born like this? Or did it happen from like trauma, um, physical abuse, sexual abuse, you know, all the kinds of abuses that can happen? Did it happen from uh, generational? It can be generational. Did it happen from culture? Because there's cultures of shame. Um, that people grow up in. So where did it come from? So is it just who you are, or is it what happens to you in your environment? Well, like so many things, it's a both and. It's a both and. So the Bible tells us, and this is why I love, you know, science and, and truth go hand in hand together. The Bible tells us the origin of shame is from sin, Psychology tells us how then that can get taken advantage of and how it can become, it just grows and grows and grows and can become such a stronghold, okay? So I want to focus today more on the word and on the truth and on breaking free. I like to uh, kind of look at the problem, but we want to go into the solution. So there's all kinds of notes probably that I won't get to. I'm sure they can send that to you. So a little bit about um, the innocence that was broken. Uh, what happens with shame is that, again, it starts getting us focused on ourselves. Um, we start then comparing ourselves to each other. And let's talk for a minute about the difference between shame and guilt. Because there is healthy guilt, um, and, and shame can be a feeling, a temporary thing, and some of the descriptive words for shame are disgrace, confusion, dejected, anxious, dry, disappointed. Those are in the Hebrew and Greek. A definition for shame in the dictionary is a painful feeling of humiliation or distress caused by wrongdoing or foolish behavior. So you might feel guilty and feel momentary shame, but when it becomes a state of being, when you walk around and you believe, I'm not enough, I'm not good enough, I'm too much of something, I need to hide this part of myself because if you knew about that, you would not accept me or love me. If you believe you are flawed, then that's shame. And you may not have it across the board in your whole life. Some people do where they just feel like they don't deserve to live. Um, I, I walked around with shame for a long, long, long time. I didn't even know I had it because it was so prettily covered up. Uh, mine, mine looked good. Everything, all of my, all of my strongholds look good on the outside, you know. And, and it was so deceiving um, because they served purposes. They looked good. People actually, um, you know, complimented them and wanted me, like, enabling and different things like that. But the shame 
as God healed me and I went through years and layers of, of the um, healing and the mind renewal and the heart transformation, at the core of the shame, there's literally like this little girl, there was a little girl part of me that believed she just didn't have a right to take up space. Like, not a right to live. And I, I, I want to tell you, because since I've had the privilege of working with people for so long, that there's levels of shame. There's degrees of shame. There's degrees of the stronghold, right? And mine was probably on the lower level just because I didn't have any trauma that reinforced it. I, you know, grew up in a family that went to church, and I had, you know, a good environment. But man, the power of that shame was still profound. And my shame, what the Lord showed me, came from generations. It was a stronghold of shame that came through the generational line that was never dealt with. So, just because of God's, you know, ordained grace, I, I got to deal with that. And it's powerful but it's profound when he sets you free. Um, and I want to go into that right now. Um, I want us to look at Isaiah 61. Because this is the antidote. This is the antidote. And, um, you know, whether your shame comes through the generational line, whether it came through trauma, whether it came from lies you believe. Let me give you one example of that. Um, that I learned in some of my healing prayer training that there's a woman that suffered with eating disorder for years and years and years, and she went in and out of um, treatment centers, could not, and it was anorexia, could not get healthy, could not stay, uh, you know, free. And as when she learned about the healing prayers, they were praying for her. The memory that God brought to her was... Um, she was like third grade, getting off the bus and um, going home to school. And some little boy grabbed her little her her arm and said, "You're fat. I can't get my arms around your your um, wrists. So you're fat." And so shame came over her. Her little brain said, "I will never be fat again." So in an instant, that arrow went into her, and had been the culprit you know, driving this force. So when she got free of that, she got free of that arrow, free of that shame, free of that belief, then she could enter into wholeness and healing and freedom. But until that was like the piece of the puzzle that she needed for total freedom, okay? So it could come through, you know, Satan is not a nice guy, and he's crafty. And so he, it, it can come in just through little things um, so it doesn't have to be trauma, I guess, is what I'm trying to tell you. But because it started in the garden, it's a, it's a long stronghold. And we're all susceptible to it, and probably all of us deal with it to some level. And because God is raising up the army, we need to get free. And we need to help each other out um, in that freedom. So, Isaiah 61 um, and before that, earlier in Isaiah's, Isaiah 54, 4 says, forget the shame of your youth. 
Yeah. And so, so when these arrows come in, it is normally in our childhood, okay? It's when we're vulnerable and when Satan can take advantage of us. So those little lies you believe about yourself, the lies you believe about God, whatever it is, it comes in early. So forget the shame of your youth. We're growing up. Yeah. <laughs> We're going from immaturity to maturity, from milk to meat in the Lord. So this is how it happens, Isaiah 61. And I want to proclaim this. I want to read this over, y'all. So if you don't mind, just taking a minute, closing your eyes. I'm going to ask the, the Lord to minister to you even as I read it. And then we're going to kind of see where else we go with this. But this, this is a, just to set it up, and you guys probably know this, but this is the inaugural speech that Jesus gave in Luke 4 when he said, this is who I am. This is why I came. And he opened the scroll and he read this. And this is what he read. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom from the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. They will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated, they will renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. Strangers will shepherd your flocks. Foreigners will walk your fields and vineyards. And you will be called priests of the Lord. You will be named ministers of our God. And you will feed on the wealth of nations and the riches you will boast. Instead of shame, you will receive a double portion. And instead of disgrace, you will rejoice in your inheritance. And so you will inherit a double portion in your land. And everlasting joy will be yours. For I, the Lord, love justice. I hate robbery and wrongdoing. And in my faithfulness, I reward my people and make an everlasting covenant with them. Their descendants will be known among the nations, their offspring among the peoples. All who see them will acknowledge, and they are a people the Lord has blessed. Amen. This is who we are. Yes, let's give a shout of praise. Yeah. So we, there's a trap, and we get trapped in it. But there's a rescue plan. And let me tell you what. All right. Help me, Lord. Okay, so I, I, I'm just, I think I'm supposed to say this. So when I started my practice, I was a secular counselor. I believed in the Lord, but I was a secular counselor. And did, you know, training in, in, at UGA and bless UGA and all that. Good, good schooling, all that stuff. 
Um, when I went through my personal crises, when the Lord started digging this stuff up, after I had my first daughter, who's 28, about to be 28, um, those children, that'll do it to us, right? <laughs> Dig up stuff that's hidden in your heart, that and marriage. And you spoke to that very well. Listen to your sermon last week. Um, so, uh, guess what happened? I was on, I went on a psychological journey to fix myself because, you know, that's what we do, right? As psychologists, we're going to fix ourselves. We're going to figure it out, especially us that are in control, right, of things. <laughs> I had no fear, no shame, no control issues, none at all. Because um, I was helping people, don't you understand? I mean, you know, I was the one that had the answers. So, so the Lord, we went on this journey and I got a lot of freedom, started coming back into a, a deep relationship with the Lord and started knowing him as the healer. Um, but and it wasn't until I came into my real crises with my marriage that I came to know him really as the healer and the restorer and the redeemer and all these things in Isaiah 61. Um, why am I telling you this? I can't remember why I'm telling you this. <laughs> but I, I know because, I think I know, because psychology falls short. Psychology is a good servant of the Lord. And I'm not saying don't use, psych, you know, resources. Hello. I mean, we've talked about that today. But that in itself will not free you from shame. Psychology tells you that when you have this trauma, when you're a kid and these things happen to you, that it's it lasts forever. All you can do is manage it. Um, that's not what God says. When the paralytic man came to him, he didn't say, here's some crutches. Now get up and go. Here's how you use them. And you get up and you go out and you crutch along life. No, he said, get up. You are healed and you are whole. And that's what Jesus does for us. That's what he does for us. So he takes care of the heart. He takes care of the external, the internal. He's the, it's the, as Bill Johnson likes to say, the one-step plan. All right? Now, <laughs> I do want to, I know, I love it. He said, he didn't invite a 12-step. But I do want to say, because what I've seen in, in the way God's healed, he can heal like that. We know he can heal like that. But he also made us developmentally, Right? And he created our brains in such a fascinating way. And now we have all this brain research that can actually show what happens. Maybe you guys studied Caroline Leaf and it talks about the toxic thinking and all that. Well, we do know that trauma affects biology. And so you could have an instant trauma like a, a rape or something like that or... or um, dealing with a lot of PTSD, like with Syrian refugees and things like that. You can have that kind of trauma. Or it can be what I would call a slow drip of a trauma over time, meaning like my, tra my trauma wasn't trauma, but yet it traumatized me because I believed I wasn't enough. I believed I wasn't worthy. I believed um, that I had to earn love. I believed all that. And there were some environmental issues that reinforced that, but I was not traumatized. But that thought in my brain all those years did create damage. Does that make sense? But he came to do all of that, to set us free and to give us the exchange program. And what I've seen happen 
And so, so now it's been 15 years since I've been doing this, since he saved me and then I, I got to usher it in, in my office. But what I've seen happen is when one person, one person, that's you, 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 one person lets God do what he wants to do in our hearts. When, when we go to him and we say, I'm broken, I'm trapped, I'm a prisoner, and I need freedom. And I've heard it say that um, the prison are those of us who are in, in prison because of our own sin. And the captives are those of us who have been captive by somebody else's sin. But he came to set all of that free. And we say, I'm in prison and I need help. Lord, I'm tired of managing it. I don't want to limp around. I don't want to be better. I want to be free. I want to be free. So he said, I will do the exchange program for you because I hate what Satan did. And I hate what he keeps doing. And guess what? I died, I shed my blood, and I rose again so you could be free. And he says, today is the day. Today is the day. If you hear him calling today, do not harden your hearts. How are the hearts hardened? By fear and unbelief. Don't let that stop you from getting what you need from the Lord today. And then he says, when I do the exchange program, I give beauty out of the ashes. So anything we've been through, it doesn't matter what it is, he's going to take it and make good out of it. The very places we think are the worst, ugliest places in our life, he will make beautiful. Because only he can, right? But he can do that. And he says, give it to me. Watch and see what I will do with it. And then he says, he'll bring joy instead of despair, praise instead of mourning. He will totally give us a whole new attitude as we cooperate with him. And he renews our mind, Romans 12, 2, and he heals our heart. It gets better. It gets better. Yes, we get healing. Yes, we get freedom. But then guess what? Then they, they who have just allowed God to do that in them, and it, back to the development thing, I want to finish my thought there. He made us so that we heal in layers. You know how your skin heals, wounds heal in layers? Um, he made us emotionally like that too and mentally. So, yes, we know he can go like that, and he can change things, and he can renew your mind, and it could be a one-step thing. But I also, it's a not a but, it's a and, because he's a both and, and he knows the kind of healing we need, when we need it, how we need it. So we don't get to dictate that. If there's gold dust, there's gold dust. If there's not, praise Jesus, right? Because he's in the house, and he's healing. Because wherever he is, there's healing. There cannot not be. We cannot encounter God and not get a level of healing. As we come together in the worship together, it's even more powerful. So he dictates it, but we go after all we can get. But he made us developmentally, so there's layers of healing. I know a lot of people that go like, why am I dealing with this again? How come this is happening again? I thought I dealt with that. Well, guess what? It's just a deeper layer and a deeper layer. And it's going, and this root, the shame has a root often, if it's a stronghold, 
any stronghold does, but it has to be rooted out. And there's a lot of stuff around it that needs to be dealt with sometimes before it has to be rooted out. So don't give up and don't feel like you're doing something wrong or something's not working or God doesn't love you or whatever it is because you're not free yet. You just keep pressing in. And he promises, I will do this. And so it takes a lifetime. Well, you know, I don't think it's going to, but if it does, that's okay because this is a blip on the screen. And every layer of healing we get, we get more freedom and we get more that we can release, more kingdom here on earth that we get to release. So back to my story, what I was going to say is when I started ushering this in, into my office, um, what I started seeing, and this is what he did in me, but then I started watching him do it in other people. One person letting him do these things in their heart and their mind, and it just starts like a ripple effect. And before you know it, you know, their, their family members they were worried about, the, the relationships that weren't working out, the different things that they, you know, would come in with concerns as I said, hey, let's just put that over here. Let's deal with you and your heart and your mind. Guess what? It starts rippling around. How does it happen? That's the mystery of God, but that's the power of God. So we get so caught up, and this is what Satan wants us to do. We get caught up on the other person. We get caught up on what that offense, what they did to us, or how they need to change, or how they're not treating me right, or whatever it is. And God's saying, wrong, wrong focus. Get focused here. Let me deal with, what does that feel like? Like he's asking in the garden, what's going on with you? I want to know what's going on with you. He's a personal God. And when we let him do that, and he addresses that pain, that hurt, that lie, whatever it is, then guess what happens? We get to become part of the solution instead of part of the problem. He says, they, we, will rebuild the ancient ruins that have long been devastated, restore the places. We get to change our generation. We are not victims. We are not victims. We get to change our family legacy. If, you're, if you have kids or your parents or you have whatever it is that you are aching for a change in, we can usher that in, but it's got to start here. And we got to let him do that. We got to quit hiding. We got to let him do that painful stuff. You know, as Americans, we are so, we're so um, good at staying away from pain, right? Let's cover the pain. Let's not deal with it. Let's get distracted. Let's use drugs. You know, whatever it is, it may be Food, maybe it may be innocuous, maybe just zoning on TV. I know I can do that, you know, but we just don't, we want to stay away from pain, and our culture colludes with us. Um, years ago, he showed me Psalm 84 6, and it, this is an old uh, uh, NLT version. And he said, It says, When you walk through the valley of weeping, it will become a place of place of springs where, where blessings collect. And he said, so he was showing me, when you go through the pain, you can't go over it, under it, around it. You have to go through the pain. And that very place is where blessings will collect. And new life comes. 
And then the next verse is even better than that, but I'd have to look it up. So, so again, but it's about the restoration. It's about the restoring. So when we do this in us, it's not selfish. A lot of people come into my office and, oh, I feel so selfish. I'm dealing with this. No, it's not selfish. It is helping not just you, but the body of Christ. And the freer we are, the more this unity, this more revival. I love the worship today and the prayers, but it is happening. It's happening. And he's building the foundation under us. It's like as we get as we get clear and free and whole and whatever it is he wants to give us, and again, we don't dictate it, we just go after all we can, then it's building this foundation. For him to bring this revival in. You know, if we get too much good stuff and we're not ready for it, it won't last. And so I just see him, feel him all over the place, just getting us healed and whole and strong and in unity together. Isn't it exciting? It's so exciting. Yes. So praise you, God. And all right, I want to pray a second. Oh, Jesus, Jesus, oh, we just love you. We just praise you. Lord, it's so exciting the times we're in. And, Lord, we can look at the negative. It's so easy to look at the negative, just like Adam and Eve did in the garden, and start doubting, start looking at the bad reports, start thinking about our own limitations and what we don't have or what we want. It's so easy, Lord. We get caught up so easily. But thank you, Lord. You have the antidote. You are the antidote. You are. And you say, just look at me. Look at me. Let me lead you. Let me guide you. Let me speak to you. Let me be your authority. Let me set you free. So, Lord, um, these last minutes we have together, I just thank you as you lead us and guide us that you're going to bring freedom. You're breaking the chains. You're setting free. So we just give you, Holy Spirit, the last, um, our time together, and I thank you. You're leading and guiding. Even now, Lord, even now, You're renewing minds. You're speaking deep. Lord, I just speak right now against that spirit of fear. Uh, Fear colludes with shame to keep things hidden. So right now, Lord, I ask you to give a measure of courage. A measure of courage that we can all be naked and unashamed. We can admit that we struggle. And Lord, it starts with admitting it to you in our hearts. Lord, we can even just start with, I'm afraid to even go there, God. I don't want to go there. I'm afraid. And Lord, the lie, there's such a lie that if I go there, it'll never end. It'll be forever. Or if I go there, there's nothing there. Or I'll be, I I don't like what I'll, I'll see. Or you're going to make me do something that I don't want to do. And Lord, none of that is true. I just cast down right now the lies of the enemy. And I send them to you for you to deal with. You came to set the captives free. I proclaim the day of liberty 
over the prisoners and over the captives. Right now, Lord, you are doing the exchange program. You are slaying the enemy's um, trap. And Lord, like you showed me um, not long ago, it's like a bear trap. And when we try to get ourselves out of it, we, we just get more bloody and more damaged. And you're saying, let just stay still. Yell for me. Yell for me. Just admit you need help. And I am right there. And I am setting you free. So I thank you, Lord, for what you're doing right now. I thank you for the freedom to receive it, Lord. I thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Um, I think what I'd love to do is there is a song that he brought to me. And um, what I'd love to do is just play that song. Um, It's an old song by Barlow Girls. Yeah, I know. How old school is that, right? But it came across as I was, as he was preparing my heart for this, it came across my radar screen. And the words are so right on. And they're powerful. So I want to just spend a little time in quiet and and let those words wash over you. If you want to journal, if you want to just talk privately to God, if you want to come up and pray, um, I think Travis and... I and whomever else can come and pray with you. And then, so let's just spend the last few minutes letting the Holy Spirit do his thing and um, bring freedom and, yeah, renew minds. And and, um, and I think, I don't know if the worship team is going to close us with the breaking the chains. Were you all going to do that? Yeah, that'd be awesome. All right. Thank you, Jesus. So just, again, this is your time for him to minister to you in any way you feel led. Okay? Thank you, Lord.
praise you, Jesus. So, Lord, as we um, stand, we get ready to close up and we continue to allow ourselves to be ministered to. Let's stand and let's um, close up with this song. And, Lord, we resolve to believe you over the enemy. Can we all say that together? We resolve to believe you over the enemy. Let's say it like we mean it. We resolve to believe you over the enemy. And Lord, we release any struggle, any lie, any feeling, whatever. We will not hide. Can we say we will not hide? We will not hide from a loving God. And we will receive your forgiveness, your mind renewal, your healing, and we can rest, Lord, in you. And Lord, I just declare over these people in this place, Ephesians 2.10, for we are God's masterpiece, created to do good works with God, prepared in advance for us to do. And Galatians 5.1, it was, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not allow yourselves to be burdened again by the yoke of slavery by your power and your name, Jesus.